Hey Life Church, welcome to Palm Sunday. We're so excited to have you with us today. What a wonderful week we're about to head into culminating in Easter Sunday with the resurrection of Jesus. It's gonna be a great week and we're excited about today and how it kicks it off. Maybe you're new with us today, welcome! Man, somebody, maybe they just shared it and you found it uh, on your screen, on YouTube or on Facebook and it just popped into your feed or maybe they were texting you saying, you gotta check out Life Church Online. Welcome, we're so excited to have you with us and joining us. Well, Life Church people, I just wanna say thank you to you because of your generosity and your faithfulness in this kind of unique season we're in, we're continuing to see practical ministry move forward. I think of our children's ministry, the cool things that Pastor Taylor's been able to post online, to interact with them, doing Zoom, doing Facebook, uh, posting services, that's so cool. I think of our youth ministry. This last Wednesday, we were able to have our first Zoom communications life group. And it was so fun. We played some fun games leading up to it. We're excited to see how that moves forward in the future. I think of our Wednesday night Bible studies and how we're able to actually engage with more people and, and different people than we would have ever interacted with otherwise. Our farmer's market on Tuesday nights. This last Tuesday, such a cool thing. We served over 45 families. It was so wonderful to see how we were able to serve those who were in need. So thank you for your generosity. Thank you for your faithfulness. We wanna tell you how you can continue giving. You can give online, lifechurchutah.com, or just click on the link down in the comments of Facebook Live or on YouTube, whatever format you're on. Maybe you're an analog person. Okay, well, 9 a.m. to noon, Monday through Friday, you can drop into the office to give uh, in a hard copy way or just mail it to the church offices and we'll be sure to receive it that way. But we're so thankful for you. We're so thankful for your generosity and we're expecting and believing that the church and that God is going to do something amazing in this season that we're in. It's not a drawback, it's an opportunity and we're just believing that God's gonna do something special. Well. Enjoy the rest of the service. Well, good morning, Life Church. Would you worship with us this morning?
sons and daughters, we will not resist your heart. And come and bring the breakthrough we surrender to
So here's a big question for you. Have you ever had anything unexpected happen? I mean, uh, one of those, uh, those moments where something really, really good happens to you. I, I really hope you have. Maybe it's been uh, somebody Venmoed you some money unexpectedly. If you don't know what Venmo is, talk to somebody under the age of like 25 or 30 and they can tell you in uh, and tell you what that is. Uh, maybe you've gotten a note from somebody uh, telling you exactly what you mean to them. Hopefully you've received something like that in the past or maybe something in the future or maybe right now uh, you're, uh, you're, you're telling yourself, I'm going to make sure that I write that note so I can do something unexpected uh, for somebody else. Maybe it's been uh, a raise or a bonus that you got at home and so it allowed you to be able to get that special gift uh, for your loved one or for your child or for your spouse and that becomes the unexpected way that you can be a blessing to somebody. Now, I do also recognize that uh, while there can be some really good unexpected things that happen, sometimes the unexpected things aren't so good. Maybe there's an unemployment situation, maybe a death in the family or something like that. But unexpected things 
occur all around us all of the time. And uh, this week, as we go into the Passion Week, it's called in the story of Jesus, as we go into this week, um, there's a lot of unexpected things that happen. And so what I want to do here today is talk through some of those unexpected things. And the reality is Jesus arriving in Jerusalem for what's called Palm Sunday, which is what we're celebrating today. Jesus arriving in Jerusalem was incredibly unexpected. It was unexpected for a number of reasons. And the, the picture that we have here is, uh, is the, the walls of Jerusalem and the walls around the temple and Jesus coming from a distance. Now gathered together um, to be here to greet Jesus and to welcome him uh, were his disciples, people whom Jesus had healed, uh, people whose lives were absolutely transformed by the presence of Jesus Christ, and they wanted to come celebrate this Messiah. Now the crazy thing is, is Jesus, when he got to uh, Jerusalem for this triumphal entry, he came riding on a donkey. Now I, I don't know if you've ever compared a donkey to a horse. Big, big difference there, right? And so the donkey, not nearly as majestic. And in, in Jesus' time, certainly back in uh, the first century, uh, arriving on a donkey was not necessarily a sign of triumph. The sign of triumph would have been uh, maybe riding in on a big white stallion and, and, and all of the regal uh, wear that you'd be wearing and the big helmet and the, sh and the sword and the shield and, and purple robes and all of that. But Jesus didn't come that way. He came on a donkey, humble. Tell you what, let me read the stories because the triumphal entry shows up in all four of the Gospels. And anytime something shows up four times uh, in the Gospels, uh, you know it's important. So let me read for you uh, what it says in Luke chapter 19, verse 35. It says, And they brought it to Jesus, talking about this donkey, and throwing their cloaks on the colt, they set Jesus on it. And as he rode along, they spread their cloaks on the road. As he was drawing near already on the way down the Mount of Olives, the whole multitude of his disciples began to rejoice and praise God with a loud voice for all the mighty works they had seen, saying, Blessed is the King who comes in the name of the Lord. Peace in heaven and glory in the highest. In John chapter 12, and we're going to go back to this chapter in a little bit. John chapter 12, the next day, the large crowd that had come to the feast heard that Jesus was coming to Jerusalem. So they took branches of palm trees and went out to meet him, crying, Hosanna, blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord, even the King of Israel. No one expected that. This, this was not the way that the king was supposed to come in to Jerusalem, riding on a donkey. The religious leaders of the day were caught off guard. Maybe even the disciples a little bit caught off guard thinking, wasn't Jesus the Messiah, the King? He didn't seem like he was coming as a conquering hero, but more as a humble servant. There's this passage of scripture in Zechariah that actually tells us a little bit more about this circumstance. And here's what Zechariah writes. Zechariah chapter 9, verse 9. Rejoice greatly, O daughter Zion. Shout aloud, O daughter Jerusalem. Lo, your King comes to you triumphant and victorious is he, humble and riding on a donkey, on a colt, the foal of a donkey. So remember, in the time that Jesus lived, coming on the horse would be that sign of power, but not so with Jesus. Because the great thing is, is that Jesus was revealing something about the kingdom of God that everybody had missed. Because Jesus came in humility. 
Now, he also came in power. There's no doubt about that, but it's a, a different kind of power. It's not a power of, of authority to destroy enemies like that. But it, what it was was a power and an authority to transform lives. And so Jesus came in humility, he came in victory, but he came revealing the kingdom of God in a new way. And I think about all those folks that had gathered together to, uh, to lift his name up, to praise him, and to, to shout loudly, Hosanna, blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. It makes me think about all of us who perhaps would be the ones who were gathered, welcoming Jesus as well with open arms. I had the joy of sitting down a couple of days ago with Nick and Christina Miller, and I got a chance to talk to them about their story, a little bit about how Jesus has changed their life and uh, taken them out of a, uh, of a life of drug abuse, where their marriage was in shambles, and yet God restores. So why don't you take a look at the story of Nick and Christina. Hi, my name's Nick. My name is Christina. We've been married for nine years. And Jesus Christ has changed our lives for the better change our life 100 percent and we've been on and off together for about seven years seven and a half years eight years because we could have never stayed together for more than four or five months because of the drugs i would try to quit she would try to quit our we would both spiral out of control and wind up on the streets sleeping in cars uh it was bad for us we didn't we would have to go and uh make money enough money to support our drug habit and to try to pay a hotel room. And if we couldn't pay the hotel room, we would wind up on the street. So the, one of the things was was a financial situation. We could never use the financial, the money to, to be with each other. We would use it just for the drug use. Yeah. No one wanted us around. Our families didn't want us around because we was on drugs. Yeah. Uh, the way the gypsy community works, our families, if one of the siblings on drugs, let him go make his own decision because I can't risk him being around to put the rest of the family on drugs. My brother passed away about two, two three years ago from an yeah. overdose. His uh -huh. brother passed away from an overdose also. They were very young in their 20s. Well, after my brother passed away, I spiraled out of control even worse than what I was. Me too. And I almost lost my life. And I was, I know it was so dark, I knew I wasn't in the right place. Same with me. I spiraled out of control for a little while. And I looked at my brother's kids. I looked at myself and I said, if I don't get clean from a bad experience, even though I lost my little brother, it's like he would lose him. He would be die for no reason, you know, and, and I wouldn't get clean. But I've been to treatment pastor about nine or 10 times before I got clean now. And every time I try to get into treatment, I try to get back to God and worship God and do yeah. and just the. Uh, we always knew the, God, Pastor. We uh, we always knew God. We just never had a really relationship. We never had him. a good relationship so to continue. So me and Nick on. was praying a few days ago, and I said, "We're new Christians in Christ because that's how it feels for us." But so our relationship Christ. and God really and truly took off the last year. Yeah. What has coming to Christ? meant for your family, for your kids, for you guys? There was a lot of aggression in our family before. Me and her would argue a lot. argue a lot. There was a cuss, jealousy. nasty words. Uh, we didn't have no patience at all for the kids. So we're just closer. We come together as a family. We laugh all the time. We wasn't parents. We wasn't. We no. wasn't parents to our kids. No. I used to leave my kids to my dad and my mom. 
and disappear for weeks and months at a time. Being under one roof and praying for our food and being together as a family. That means everything. That means everything. That means everything. I would trade in everything financially just to have that. This yeah. this this old be peace and our you know when God in your life you don't have peace. There's no salvation. I know what salvation and peace means. When when there's drugs in your life and God's in your there is no peace. Everything. We was all separated. Me, Nick, Dick, everybody was separated, all of our kids, all of us. And to 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 have God in our lives is has changed. Everything has changed for us. I wouldn't trade nothing in nothing in the world for the feeling that we I have wish with that Christ. we would have done this a long time ago. If it would if we knew if we only knew just a little bit how it would feel to go have God in our lives. I would give up I would have give up drugs a long and time ago. And you know something there's a lot of people that relapse and stuff and God will never leave our life again. We will never fall back. I don't care what temptations we go through what trials, tribulations we see, we'll never give up on our Lord and Savior. We surrender everything yeah. to God. Yeah. God done everything for us. And we are so grateful, yes. thankful, and humble. And whatever we could do, if it opens one person's eyes and if it changes one life, then we'll do whatever we have to. Yes, that's all that matters. If this reaches, we know reaches one person, this helps one person. We'll be thankful for that. That's all that matters.
I love the words of that song and I'm going to read here. All my life you have been faithful. All my life you have been so, so good. With every breath that I am able, I will sing of the goodness of God. I think this would be the anthem that those who gathered around at the triumphal entry would also be singing. And this is our testimony of Jesus for those whose lives have been transformed. But maybe this isn't your testimony. Maybe this isn't the story that could be told of your life. Um, you know, it's easy for us to make assumptions about who's watching on a day like this. But uh, if this isn't your story, if what Nick and Christina shared and, and all the story of the people uh, celebrating Jesus uh, coming into the city, if that's not your story of welcoming Jesus, it can be. And I think what I have found in my life is that Jesus is the incredible welcoming God and he'll be the same for you in your life. And I know there's a lot of people that are gonna be praying right now for you who are watching this who your story isn't one that ties into Jesus. Well, there's this great story of somebody in the Bible in John chapter 12 whose story does tie very, very closely to Jesus. The story is told of a woman named Mary in John chapter 12. And as she makes her way into the house, probably looking for just the right moment that she could step in, maybe be unnoticed. And uh, she lets her hair down. That's not the normal thing that women of the day would do. And uh, she wasn't always welcome as a woman at the table where the men were eating at that time and uh, conversing. And yet the Bible reveals that she walks in and she kneels down behind Jesus at his feet because Jesus was reclining at the table. And she breaks open an alabaster jar, and begins to pour this fragrant oil all over Jesus' feet. Now guaranteed, the aroma, if, they, if they missed her coming in at that point, uh, the aroma that filled the room was absolutely exquisite. And people would be looking around wondering where this is coming from because they recognized the smell, this gift that was being given by Mary to Jesus. Now this gift was no ordinary gift and in fact this, uh, this gift that she was giving uh, more than likely represented her future. And she poured it out at Jesus' feet. It was unthinkable. People were wondering why she did this. But for her, it was worth it because Jesus represented her future. Jesus represented all of her dreams, all of her hopes. And the best thing that she could do was give herself. That was it, to give everything that she had and say, Jesus, thank you for changing my life. So this is back in Jesus' time that Mary did this. But what about now? Why do we who are followers of Christ choose to give everything? 
Why do we choose to have our dreams and our hopes and desires wrapped up in this Jesus who seems so far away at this point? And a lot of questions wondering, wondering where God is in the middle of the circumstances that we're currently in. The reason why we give ourselves is because he is the most incredible gift of all. And we give ourselves to him because he gave himself to us. In fact, it would be just a couple of days after this that Jesus would find himself in a garden. It was a garden more than likely that he and the disciples had visited a number of times on the Mount of Olives, not too far from Jerusalem. And uh, Jesus there would be betrayed. He would be arrested. He would be taken in front of the religious leaders of the day. Uh, there he would be mocked. There he would be ridiculed by the religious leaders. Uh, there was a time right after that then that he was taken to the Roman rulers of the day. And these Roman rulers at that point, Pilate and the other soldiers, uh, they would beat him. They again would mock him. They put on him a crown of thorns. They, they put a, a robe around him and mock worship and mock homage to this king. And the Bible says that Jesus would carry his own cross to the place of the skull, it was called, Golgotha. And there, Jesus was crucified. It was there that Jesus gave it all. So Jesus went to the cross and died, uh, died for us because there's something deeper at work. While the Passion Week begins in worship, in triumph, in victory, this is the revolution that Jesus lived for. This was the cross. And this was the focus of all of his life leading up to this moment. So underneath it all is the story of worship that began in the book of Genesis, in a place called the Garden of Eden. And uh, the Bible says that in the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. The heavens and the earth are designed to be together, not designed to be separated. And yet something happened when Adam and Eve chose for themselves to put themselves in a position of authority over God even that everything broke and sin now becomes that, that controlling factor in lives and in societies and in cultures and, and really in nature around us. And the sin that wreaked havoc then still wreaks havoc on us today. This is what I love. The incredible thing about all of the story, despite the sin, despite the brokenness, despite uh, the, the heartache and the hurt and the pain that has just uh, so engulfed our world, Jesus stands right in the middle of it. And his standing is not really uh, anything other than him being crucified on that cross to deal with sin. We all face it. We all struggle with it. We all know that this is something that's deep inside of us that causes turmoil in the decisions that we make. I'm going to read something that N.T. Wright wrote in a book called The Day the Revolution Began. He says, when we sin, we abuse our calling, our privileges, our responsibilities. Our thoughts, words, and actions have consequences. They were meant to. That is what being image bearers is all about. Sin risks replacing good consequences with damaging ones. Turning away from the source of life, we invite death to fill the vacuum. Both these elements, sin and death, need to be dealt with on the cross. 
The whole New Testament declares that this is what was achieved. That is why the cross launches the revolution. The primary human failure is a failure of worship. In Romans 1, 18 through 25, ungodliness precedes injustice. This is incredible. Those who worship that which is not God will inevitably produce distortions in the world. When we sin, we've handed over control to forces that will destroy us and thwart our original purpose. That original purpose to be image bearers of God himself. And this is what is seen in Mary's extravagant gift, this, this gift of worship that filled the house and influenced everybody that was around her. This is the kind of gift that we see in uh, Nick and Christina's life. Just like all of our lives, when we give ourselves to him, it's our worship to him and restoring again the broken things and allowing Jesus to change our lives from the inside out. This worship is seen in our everyday lives of sacrifice and that deep commitment that we can have to Jesus. But we can't do it on our own. This is the reason for the cross. The cross dealt with sin once and for all. The cross puts us back into that right relationship with the Father because of what His Son did in living a perfect life. This is the life that we can experience as well. And in fact, one of the most uh, uh, probably recognizable verses of the Bible, John chapter 3, verse 16, says this, that God so loved the world that He gave His only Son so that everyone who believes in Him won't perish but will have eternal life. In John chapter 1 verse 12 says this, but to all who did receive him, who believed in his name, he gave the right to become children of God who were born not of blood, nor of the will of the flesh, nor of the will of man, but of God. Everyone who believes is born of God. We can experience this new life in God through his son, Jesus Christ. It is the entry of the king into our own lives. It's the entry of Jesus Christ into the deepest parts of our lives. It's that, that power that he brings to us, that power of humility and brokenness, as we've seen imaged in Jesus Christ himself, coming into Jerusalem on a donkey in all power and authority and victory, yet in humility. You see, the cross is the revolution that you have been waiting for. And I love the final words that Jesus says on the cross. And we read this in John chapter 19, verse 30. It's three words. Let these words resonate in your own life. Let these words be the thing that you need to embrace in your life. And this is what Jesus said on the cross as he breathed his last. He said, it is finished. It's So I will never be 
His grace is my salvation. The gift of God, the work of Calvary. It is done. It is finished. Christ has won. He is risen. Grace is here. Love and triumph over death forever. The cross needs no. His mercy is complete His love is not a question The Son of God has spoken
And that really becomes the story that should be ours as well, that we should bow ourselves and give ourselves to Jesus Christ. Perhaps you're watching this morning at the request of a friend, somebody shared this and you just hopped on, uh, or maybe a, a neighbor or a, a loved one, family member actually went out and invited you and said, please come watch with me um, for Palm Sunday service. The question now rests on your decision to say whether or not you want to follow after Jesus Christ. You can be like Mary who gave everything. You can be like Nick and Christina who uh, their marriage was saved and uh, they, they found new freedom from drug addiction and so many other blessings in their life. This can be your story as well. And you can invite Jesus into your life just like uh, those early, uh, early uh, disciples celebrated Jesus coming to Jerusalem. So here's what I wanna do. I'm gonna take a moment here and to pray with everybody, just a very, very simple prayer. And uh, this prayer is nothing magic about it, but it's just a, a prayer of acknowledgement of our need of Jesus Christ in our life. So why don't you join me where you are, uh, sitting down there in your room or you're in the car or wherever you are at this time. Uh, if you're driving, please don't close your eyes. Otherwise, we can just take a moment, kind of close everything else around us and just repeat a very simple prayer after me. Say, Dear Lord Jesus, Thank you for saving me. Jesus, thank you for changing my life. Jesus, thank you for setting me free from sin, for dying on the cross and helping me to follow you. Jesus, I know that you desire my heart and I willingly give you everything. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Amen. For those of you who prayed that prayer for the very first time, welcome to the family of God. Remember from the beginning in John chapter 1, for everyone who believes and everyone who chooses to follow after him, he gives us the right to become children of God. And that is what we are now because of what Jesus did on the cross. And one of the things I'm going to invite you to do is, uh, you'll see it on the screen right now, text JOURNEY to 74574. And uh, we want to walk alongside of you in these first stages of this decision that you made for Jesus Christ. Now, we know we can't be with you right now in person. And hopefully, uh, when everything kind of settles down, you make your way to Life Church uh, or find a Bible-believing church in the area uh, where you're living. But we want to walk uh, side by side with you in these early stages of following after Jesus Christ. Next week is Easter. Folks, we're going to be celebrating Easter and so grateful that we have a risen Savior. The great thing about the story of the cross is Jesus didn't remain on the cross. Jesus didn't remain in the grave. Jesus has risen from the dead, and we, we are so grateful for that. Uh, we're also going to be celebrating communion together next week for Easter. And so go ahead and gather together the elements, grape juice and crackers, or whatever else you can find in your home if those things are sold out on the shelves. Uh, but grape juice and crackers, we're going to be celebrating together as a family uh, communion next Sunday on Easter. So make sure you do that. Every night this week, special devotion time at 7 p.m. on Facebook Live. Be on the lookout for that. And uh, please like and share on Facebook and on YouTube. Uh, you can like and subscribe. Uh, thank you so much for being with us again. May God bless you. May the Lord uh, guide you and direct you and make his face to shine upon you and lift his face uh, and his countenance to you. God bless you. Go with the peace of God.